In 2022, there were 22,000 retail thefts across New York City, with shoplifting complaints increasing 44% from 2021 to 2022 in the five boroughs. And retail industry estimates project that this is a $100 billion annual problem nationally. In response to this issue, state lawmakers unanimously approved legislation in June, creating the New York State Organized Retail Crime Task Force, and we're joined in the studio by the measure's assembly sponsor, Capital Region Democrat John McDonald. Welcome back to the show, Assemblymember. David, good to be here. Thank you. So for starters, I think New Yorkers have some awareness of an uptick in retail crime as a result of maybe anecdotal news reports they may have seen or heard, or just from experiencing more items under lock and key at stores they might frequent. But do you have a sense of what this problem is like more broadly across the state? For example, do we know if this is limited to certain retailers or certain types of products and whether this problem seems to coincide with any uh, eras of recent history? So first of all, the uptick, it's interesting. This is a bill actually my former colleague, Mike Cusick, introduced last year. I picked it up during the session and, and started to make some changes to it. But what caught my interest on it it started off with a simple thing. My daughter lives in New York City, and she's dead. My toothpaste is under lock and key. What's the deal? But the more I looked into it, it's not just a New York State issue. Right. It's a Florida issue. It's a Texas issue. It's a California issue. And, you know, from my perspective, particularly being a small business person who's dealt with um, <clears throat> pilferage in the past, but... As a person who also was a mayor who used to, you know, really just not like it when people would just go in and harass businesses, I said, this is something we got to really take a look at. And, you know, it's my experience as mayor that actually informed me on this, because the reality is when there's been certain hotspots or certain trends that are just not what your community needs, you need to get everybody around the table to look for solutions. And more importantly, and this is more of a generalized comment for society, Far too often people are talking past each other. They're not talking to each other. And so when I picked this bill up, we made some changes. The, the Retail Council really has been the go-to on this. Mm-hmm. They're the ones I've worked with the closely. But I wanted to change this a little bit because, yeah, it's not right that people are coming in and taking things from merchants. Absolutely right. And it's, as you know, going to have an impact eventually either on their bottom line or what the patient or the customer is paying at the register. But the one adage that I really changed on this was I was always I always think about the employees, the people on the front lines, the people who have to either be in the, in the middle of this or are trying to stay out of the way of it or are stuck in the middle of it one way or the other. And, you know, that's where we added the retail wholesaler, uh, the retail. I, I, I never say it right. The union they're, representing they're, retail workers. Exactly. Thank you. It's a lot easier. It's a mouthful. They're even and, and their acronym is not easy for me to say. So RWDSU. Yeah, you can't say that. Nope. You have to spell it. Exactly. You know? So anyways, and that's okay. They're a great organization, and they represent the people on, on, on the front line. So we, we added them to the mix, and we also, as you know, because this had bipartisan support, obviously it was unanimous, but I added on a task force to make sure that the minority, both in the Senate and the Assembly, had representation. That was not something that was included in the first iteration of the bill. And the bill calls for a task force, which specifically has to deal with organized retail crime. Yeah. So does that mean the majority of retail theft that we're seeing is coordinated in some fashion? Here in Albany, 
I work closely with the Central Avenue bid. I've met with the merchants, the small merchants, but also the larger operations. Think TJ Maxx, Market 32, Hannaford. You listen to them? You listen to Albany PD? Yeah, it's organized. Now, whether it's something of a, a mob <laughs> or a mafia-type effort, I can't speak to that. But it's definitely something where known entities part of an elaborate network where they know exactly what they're getting, what they're doing. And although this may miss the mark on some of this, what really kind of bothered me was these entities, individuals were going in and yeah, they're stealing beef, fish. And they're not walking out with coolers. They're walking down to the local bodega or shipping it to another part outside the state where it's being resold, which, quite frankly, is a danger to public health. Mm. So, you know, the principle behind us, of course, is, you know, and we've we've become, and people have a lot of different things to point to of why we've become this way. But, you know, when you look at crime overall in New York State, in New York City, and throughout the country, was really low in 2018. Something's changed. I don't know what it is. People like to blame it on bail, and I say, well, that's fine. You can blame it on bail, but then you got to figure out what's going on in Florida, Texas, and California. Right, it doesn't explain national right, it trends. Does, it doesn't. So the bottom line is I just think people feel like they can do whatever they damn well please. That's, quite frankly, you get that sense from some of our national leaders that you can do what you want. So I think monkey see, monkey do. Everybody follows that, that whole aspect. So under this legislation, this task force isn't required to submit its final report until December of 2025. And my experience with state commission task forces and panels is that they don't even begin to get down to their work until the due date even has come and gone. But in the interim, do you feel like there are clear-cut ideas that can be implemented to have some sort of impact uh, on these trends or do we need to wait for a task force to essentially reinvent the wheel before we can address this we we shouldn't have to wait there are things i mean you know just like i said talking to the albany bid you know they talk regularly with the da and the chief and, and and the judge and they're trying to figure out what can we focus on and i think we have to kind of without getting out of control get back to the basics quality of life mm-hmm Quality of life, quality of life, quality of life. And it doesn't mean we have to cart everybody away to arrest them. You know, you you know, you know, follow the Albany news around here, and obviously the mayoral campaign's two, two years away, but it's already started in many aspects. You see a lot of posturing going on in comments. And you know what? If you look hard at the statistics, the crime numbers are down, but the perception is not. And the reality is, perception is reality. You need to... Try to address these in some way that is understood and seen by the public, and there's messaging. So, you know, locally, we still encourage. I meet with my chiefs and I'm the mayors to see what's going on in their DAs, to see what we can do locally. But to, quite frankly, if, if some great ideas come forward, as has happened when these task forces have been established in other states, that we can universally share across the state and who knows, maybe universally support, whether it's through legislation regulation change, or even finances, we need to do that. Because the average person is just fed up. They don't feel safe at times. It's They realize it's wrong just to take someone else's goods, regardless of 
who they are or what they are, and it's just not good. Whenever there is an effort to address any sort of crime here at the Capitol, one of the recurring solutions is increasing penalties for said crime. Is that a realistic way to address this problem? Well, you've been around these hollowed halls for a couple of years now. Um, As you know, increased penalties, increased incarceration doesn't usually sell well here. To be honest with you, I was surprised this bill got through to where it is, um, knowing our house. But our leadership has recognized that as much as we've made strides to try to treat everyone fairly and equitably, there are just bad actors that just take advantage of things, and that can't be condoned. It's not what a civilized society is all about. And as part of this conversation, do we need to also think, I guess, holistically or bigger picture about what is driving people to commit these crimes? We talked about this idea of people who just don't care anymore and are violating what we might have thought of as the public trust and our responsibility to each other as good citizens. But is your sense that any of this is driven by economic need? And if so, is that something that we need to think about? So, you know, and here's the deal. You raise a very good point. Listen, there are individuals who struggle with substance use disorder or mental health that either steal because they need money or steal because they don't know any better. Okay. There's programs and opportunities to deal with that. There are people who steal. I remember Willie White, the great leader of A Village from years ago, saying, do you know why the guy stole the ham? Because he had to feed his family. It's not because he was going to sell it. He had to feed his family. There are people who we need to connect with programs that are out there. There are a lot of programs, as you saw today. There is a whole front-page article in the Times Union about, what, a couple million dollars worth of food stamp cards, EBT Mm -hmm. cards that went unused because people didn't know anything about it. As a healthcare provider who's worked with people over the years, there are people who are just not aware of the programs that are out there to address those items. But the primary focus, so we, we can address those folks, the people who have social needs, the people who have mental health needs or substance use needs. But, you know, where my real focus wants to be is on the bad actors who are intentionally going in and stealing people's items for their own personal benefit. That's just dead wrong. It's not a society we should be condoning or living in. Well, you made a passing reference to the implementation of changes to New York's bail laws, and we talked about how the trends we're seeing in New York are not unique. But when it comes to our pretrial detention, there has been this idea that a quote-unquote revolving door has resulted in people committing multiple shoplifting offenses in between arrests. So as we think about our pretrial detention laws, is there any merit to increasing the ability of judges and prosecutors to keep someone behind bars if they have been arrested once, twice, three times or or more for shoplifting offenses? Depending on the frequency, I think it makes sense. Because quite frankly, and this is part of my argument at the recent bail changes we put into place with the last budget, you know, there are criminals, and that's one thing. But then there are a lot of people who, for whatever reason, they're hot. There's something going on. And they just, on a Saturday afternoon, just go bonkers. They need to be put in a safe place for themselves, but more importantly, a safe place for the public. So I think there's opportunity. Judges now have more discretion than you're, than is probably being discussed about because, quite frankly, it's not newsworthy to do a press release that a judge held somebody on bail. But... Same token, I follow the news kind of closely. It's what I have to do as part of my job. And 
it is interesting how more and more people are being held now than ever before, or at least given the opportunity to make a reasonable bail. And I think, once again, those principles there, everyone's innocent and proven guilty, and everybody should have a right to have their day in court still apply. But when there are ent entities, and, and for me, life for me, if somebody from Nebraska is here, and they're part of this organized retail crime. Why are we letting them out on bail? There's no way in heck they're coming back. So I think we need to look at this from a couple different perspectives. You know, we live in a mobile society. People transverse state lines quite regularly. Um, we need to be mindful of the fact that if we've got somebody who's been involved in something with repeat events, we need to make sure that they're able to uh, have their day in court. Well, we've been speaking with Assemblymember John McDonald. He is a Capital Region Democrat and sponsor of legislation creating the New York State Organized Retail Crime Task Force. Assemblymember, thank you so much for making the time. David, thank you. Enjoy. Support for Capital Press Room provided by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation. Communities across the Empire State have stories to tell. A roadside marker funded by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation can help your town or city educate the public, encourage pride of place, and promote local tourism. More about the Pomeroy Foundation's New York State Historic Marker Grant Program for 501c3 organizations, nonprofit academic institutions, and local state and federal government entities at wgpfoundation.org.